This episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast, features Mike Contreras. It was recorded live at 2SP Brewing in Aston, Pennsylvania. We had a sensational time talking beer and learning more about 2SP Brewing. Be sure to reach out to Mike and 2SP Brewing and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. Here's Mike Contreras. I'm Rich Shane. Dawn Ranieri's here, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We Where here is, is 2SP Brewing in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. And this is one of our favorite breweries. You guys put out the um, like all these releases. 2SP Brewing, how did that get started? Uh, that's a great question. So we are coming up on our eighth year right now. Um, so we started in 2015. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell it from my perspective. Uh, so I'm the director of sales and marketing here at the brewery. And I previously worked at Dogfish Head. And uh, they're Milton-based brewery, and part of my territory was, uh, or excuse me, my territory with them in sales was Delaware and Maryland, and one of my accounts was Two Stones. So everybody asked, oh, where's 2SP come from? We've got the uh, restaurants called Two Stones Pub. So anyway, the owner of Two Stones Pub, Mike Stiglitz, gives me a call, and he said, ah, I'm thinking about starting a brewery, you know, asking me all these questions from the sales and marketing side, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough out there. There's a lot of breweries. And, you know, Dogfish, you got to have great marketing. You got to you know, really know how to sell the product. Uh, it's not just enough to have good beer, but it really does help. And Stig says, well, would you ever think about, you know, possibly joining us? And I'm like, ah, you know, I have a pretty good job, blah, blah, blah. And But it sounds exciting. But I'm thinking he hasn't even told me who the brewer was. So he says, oh, I, I asked him. And he says, oh, I got Bob Barrar. So, you know, for a lot of people in Delco, they know who Bob Barrar is. Outside of Delco... The beer community really knows who Bob is. So Bob's one of the most awarded brewers in the country. He's got over, I want to say about 38 Great American Beer Fest medals and 11 World Beer Cups. So I'm being told my buddy is going to start a brewery and he's going to start with one of the best brewers in the country and he wants me to run sales. So I can't think of an easier job, right? So uh, Bob was previously at Iron Hill and Media and uh, great location, great restaurant group. Um, but Bob was only brewing beer for that location. So it's like, um, you know, it's like having an Olympic swimmer in a bathtub, right? He can only be there, brew his product there. 
it was our job, right, to build this brewery and bring his beer to the region. Um, so, yeah, we, we all got together. Um, Bob is a native Dalconian. Um, he's originally from Glen Olden. He lives in Rutledge now. Um, and we started this brewery up uh, just to really get behind him and what he does and, and bring it to the region. Now, you said a lot there, and my mind is thinking, wow, 2015, while you had those micro-brews like Iron Hill, and you had Dogfish Head, and you had other larger regional breweries, this really was just a trend that was getting started and ramping up. Coming from Dogfish Head, what did you, or where was, you know, sales and marketing, what was the vision that you brought or where you wanted to see 2SP go? So, uh, you know, before Dogfish, I had been in the industry for quite some time. I was with Rogue before that. So, and I lived in Southern California. So, uh, I got to see what you know, a craft boom looked like because I was in LA, but San Diego was right there. And these things that were happening there in 2006, 2007, 2008 was pretty crazy. Um, it wasn't like it was over here, which was, there's a few breweries. And then, you know, when I got to Dogfish, you saw more and more breweries pop up, uh, but not like it is today. So when we started up this brewery in 2015, um, I, I can't. I, I want to say there was about seven thousand breweries in the country. Today, I think there's well over ten thousand. So my vision was like, oh, we're going to build the sort of a regional brewery. Like uh, if you're familiar with Evolution Brewing in Salisbury, you know they built a, a nice size brewery. They represented the Eastern Shore. Um, there wasn't much, many other breweries out there, and that was kind of our plan. It's like, oh, let's let's you know not like go to all fifty states. Or, 30 states or 20 states, let's just kind of focus on the tri-state region sort of be a player. But um, so the vision was like, hey, listen, on the sales and marketing side, we're going to build a nice regional brewery to have local beer for our, you know, our community uh, that they can be proud of and they can get fresh. I get a really strong feeling and we're in Delco and, you know, Delco, it's just you've made in Delco. You have Delco related beers and, you know, little things like Wooder in, in the title. What was the, the, the business concept or what was the business vision as it rotated around Delaware County and the region and, and the personality you were looking to take in a brewery? Yes, I mean, we're, we're not that clever. I'll say that, you know, <laughs> and, uh, we can't, as with regards to like, um, uh, you know, being a brewery here, we want we want to represent the community. And a real big thing about I mentioned, you know, with Dogfish, marketing is very important. Um, but the one thing that I, I saw with other breweries, I'm not, I won't name names, is you know they kind of it, it felt a little fake, it felt a little forced. Um, with us, it's pretty organic. It's who we are. It's where we're from, and we want to represent that. So um, for us, there was no like you know uh, you know MBA sitting in a room and, and just saying oh you know. It was more of us hanging out with some friends, some some of our design friends who helped us with the branding. Uh, when they would just listen to us talk, they'd be like, oh, we should use that, you know? Or, hey, made in Delco. It's, you know, we were Delco's first production uh, brewery, right? So saying made in Delco just seemed obvious to us, right? Uh, and as you guys know, Delco is a, a country unto itself, right? So um, and we're very proud of that. And, you know, it's kind of... It's it's a fun place to be. It's it's definitely sticks out in this air, in this region, um, South Jersey, Delaware, um, Philly Five County, and uh, 
you know, we love it. And we feel like over the past few years, Delco's certainly having a moment. And it just so happens we're along for the ride. So it's, it's fun. Well, in the beginning, while we were talking before we started the podcast, I did say, I mean, the, the facts and figures of the brewery. Yeah. You said you know those. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, barrel capacity right now, how yeah. many you know barrels you're producing? Sure, sure. So we are, I think, according to last year's numbers, now there's some breweries that might have not reported, but we're the 10th largest brewery in Pennsylvania. So our production uh, last year was around uh, 7,000 barrels. This year we finished about 7,300. So, um, so just for clarification for the listeners, a barrel is equal to two half kegs. So uh, that's 31 gallons. So we did, I don't know, seven times 31 gallons. 7,000 times 31 <laughs> wait, gallons. Wait, we haven't started drinking beer yet, so <laughs> yeah, we should sure. be able to do math, right? I got fuzzy math here. <laughs> so so we, we brew a decent amount of beer um, and it's uh, and we, we, we distribute. Um, we have a tasting room here in Aston. We also have uh, the Tap House, 2SP Tap House in Chad's Ford. And we have six restaurant locations where we have guest taps and 2SP um, beers. So at the Two Stones pubs, we're opening up a new concept in Newark, Delaware called 2S Pizza, um, which will be all 2SP beer. Oh, yeah. that sounds awesome. I can't wait. Um, and then, yeah, outside of that, most of our business, that's about 10% of our business, right? Um, 90% of it, though, is in um, – we, we service Philly Five County area, so Bucks, Montgomery, Chester, Philadelphia, Delco. Um, we go to Lehigh Valley, Lancaster, Berks, um, North Jersey. We were in South Jersey, but we're kind of reevaluating that right now. Um, Delaware, Maryland, and we actually uh, export to Japan. So we've been doing that for the past four years. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I, there's a big Japanese contingency that's just ah, we want two SP. Right? So they didn't know it, but we we <laughs> we brought it to them. So uh, it's kind of a longish story, but basically, I went to grad school out in California, and I played rugby out there. And uh, one of the guys on my team was. Uh, a little five foot six Japanese guy. I'm a bigger guy for the listeners. I'm about six foot, but I'm a heavier set guy. And, uh, there was a lot of South Africans on the team who were very big guys too. We see this Japanese guy come out who is like five foot six, maybe a buck thirty. And, uh, you know, rugby's a rough game. So we, we made sure that, you know, the big thing with rugby is we want, for a team is to have players to have bodies so once a new guy comes out we're like hey why don't you come have a beer with us so we we meet this guy he barely speaks any english his name's june and we say june why don't you come grab a beer with us and i guess in japanese culture uh it's you know disrespectful to leave before the senior members leave during a gathering so he's hanging out with me and these big South African guys, you know, putting down some beers. I'm like, man, this guy can hang. So, and what better drinking buddy is there than somebody who doesn't speak English? So, <laughs> turns out he was in the MBA program. Uh, he was going for business. I was in the philosophy program. So him and I would get together at the library. I couldn't understand what he was studying. I tried to tell him what I was studying. I didn't understand it. But uh, we just became very close friends. And one day when we were getting uh, having a few beers, he said, you know, if you ever open up your own brewery i'm gonna import your beer and you know you your buddy's tall talk but japanese people are very serious when they say something they mean it and we started the brewery up and he says uh, he gives me a call i was living in philly at the time and he says mike i'm gonna quit my job 
I said, well, June, you have a family. Like, don't do that. You know, he's like, no, I'm going to import your beer. I'm like, June, come on. Like, it's a tough business. I, I want to help him, but I, I know in any industry, you need connections. And he was coming from a consulting field. So he's like, no, I'm going to do it. I said, all right, let's, let's just talk, put a business plan together before you do anything. So a week later, he calls me. He's like, Mike, quit my job. I'm like, Dude. <laughs> so much for the business plan. Yeah, yeah. And then, he's still he's still working off of that first beer. That, he, he, I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And then he says, I'm I'm going to come out. And I said, when are you coming out? He says, next week. I'm like, where are you staying? And he's like, with you. So I had to put him up for you know two weeks. And you know, I had mentioned before I was in the industry, so I had a lot of connections. So uh, what's interesting is is you know, and I've been out there. It's it's fun. People, I was in Hiroshima drinking Delco Lager. So. Pretty wild. There's an Osaka drinking up and out or IPA. But um, what's really cool is though is that my buddy in so the U.S. beer market here, you know, it's it's an industry, right? So we brew the beer, we sell it to a middleman essentially, a wholesaler, and that wholesaler has a bunch of brands that they go sell to different bars and different beer stores. In Japan, all the breweries self distribute. So he's the first guy in the country to start up that wholesale side of the business. So he brings us over a bunch of other breweries and, you know, before he was paying somebody else to deliver the beer and that's what everybody does over there. And he was telling me, he's like, I need to make money. I need to make money. And I asked him like how, you know, the logistics and everything. And then he's explaining, you know, I pay somebody to deliver the case. I said, how much do you pay? And he said, like 20 bucks. I'm like, so each keg you pay 20 bucks? I'm like, you can pay for a truck in no time. So he goes out. I've ridden in the truck. The wheels are like the size of a lawnmower, like a little like a little ride-along mower. When I sat in it, the truck completely bent. <laughs> but he now works with other Japanese craft breweries and, and distributes the product. So pretty cool connection that uh, Delco in Tokyo. So if you're in some areas of Tokyo and you say you say you're from Delco, they probably uh, they might have had our beer. They might know a little bit about it. So pretty That's wild. cool. And the fun part about this for us is. Japan is our second most listened to country for the podcast. Oh, no kidding. So we're going to hear from those oh. Japanese listeners that have had anything from 2SP. That would be a lot of fun. Domo arigato. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I, you know, I, I hear, you know, the way that 2SP has expanded. Yeah. How is it or is it a mindset to still remain that community brewery? That that community, you know, drinking establishment where I can tell you, you come into your tasting room here, it's family. Yeah. It's friends. Yeah. You got Ange behind the bar. She's been here. Yeah. She's the face of this. You yeah, know, she yeah. sometimes if if she knows you, she already knows what you want to drink. Right. Um, you know, we we Bud and Sissy, they're friends. I mean, I think they're already here. I think they're sleeping underneath the, the bar <laughs> over there. But that's what you have. You have people that come here all the time. Yeah. How do you maintain that? So, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, with the tasting room um, and just our brewery and like with, with Delaware County and, our, and the surrounding areas that we also call our home, it's, you know, the one thing that – one thing that really sticks us out to us uh, in this area is it's kind of – it's working class. It's very – I don't care what you do or, you know, how much money you make. It's just kind of – 
we're all people at the end of the day. I know that's just like a, a common thing to say, but it really is something here in Delco that stands apart versus somewhere like, I don't know, the main line or something, you know, where it's like you can really feel that. Here it's like we're very no frills. The beer speaks for itself. The people speak for themselves. Uh, and it's it's just a fun environment that I think, you know, I don't know. It's hard to – it seems easy. It seems like you walk in here and it's just like you get a wide variety of people. I mean, we could use a new paint job in here, sure. We can decorate nicely, but I don't know. It's. It, I think we would lose a little bit of that character. And that character is, you know, what I just mentioned. It's just like no frills. And people are looking for those environments and they're more rare than I think uh, And I think we, we all think it might be. Well, you said the beer speaks for itself. Yeah. We have six pours here. Mm-hmm. And where should we start with what's really going to be a representation of 2SP? Sure. I mean, so I, I poured you a, a good variety. Um, you know, a lot of breweries will really focus on their IPAs. Yeah, thanks for the uh, 32-ounce growler pours <laughs> of what we're going to be drinking. Oh, uh, yeah, of that. course. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, know, you, got, you know some people. You got the hookup. Um, so, yeah, we, I, you know, a great starting point for us is, is Pony Boy. It's our light lager. Um, I love that beer. The brewers love that beer. Um, it's yes, it is a light beer. It's not flashy. Um, it's a golden light lager. It's four percent. Um, it's clean. It's crisp. It's just really well balanced, and it's something that you can just you know set it and forget. Like just sip it, have fun with it. Have three, have four, and you'll be you'll be relatively speaking, you'll be all right compared to. You know, drinking a you know high octane IPA or something, but that's the beer you'll see the brewers drinking after work. You know, me. Um, that's the thing beer I bring to the tailgate, but that's probably our most drank beer by the TSP staff. You have a tremendous amount of experience in beer. You've come from a great lineage of beer producing areas and breweries. Do you have some beers that you drink? that transport you back or create, you know, hey, that was a memory I had with a beer. Oh, yeah. Do you have that experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, but, you know, with dogfish, you know, I just having uh, 60 minutes for the you know first time fresh there. I, I know that beer is kind of polarizing now. I loved it back in the day uh, when I worked at Rogue. I, I just remember when I got hired on, I was in Newport, Oregon, and, uh, you know, being a kid from the East Coast, I've been to Europe, been to Japan. Sure, I've experienced some elements of culture shock, but when I went to the West Coast, it was, I I couldn't believe that this was the United States, and it could be so beautiful, and that the people were completely different, not necessarily better, but... uh, But I just remember going up to Oregon for the first time, and uh, I had a brutal bitter... And that beer has changed a few times. It's kept the same name, Brutal IPA. Uh, before it was like a hopped up English style bitter. And I remember just eating, you know, fried oysters, uh, excuse me, grilled oysters. You know, put them on uh, the grill, pop them, and just put them in butter and drink the Brutal Bitter with it. Oh, my God, the best. And there's a few other beers, a lot of Sierra Nevadas, you know, the Bigfoot Barley Wine, uh, which is a great companion on a winter night when you just want to kind of bunker in in the Celebration Ale. I mean... That's something where it's, hey, the seasons are changing. And when you see the celebration ale out, that's kind of like a, an indicator that, all right, we're no longer, it's, it's time to bundle up. But uh, it's, it's exciting when that beer comes out. For me, this is a creamy, 
thirst-quenching beer. Mm-hmm. It's very approachable. You're right. I can have four to six. Yeah. The nose, the flavor profile, I'm old enough to tell you, you know, I used to drink at the vet. Well, I didn't drink, <laughs> but that beer got handed down yeah. to my dad and my grandfather. Yeah. Hey, hey, would you like a sip of beer? Right. I'm sitting at the vet. Normally, we're up at the high level. You know, I think the number. Club. I, I yeah. think they were like, well, <laughs> yeah, I think we were more in the uh, the airplane club. Okay. Yeah. Respect. We were closer <laughs> to the planes going over yeah. than we were to the field. Yeah. But my first nose on this, yeah. my first taste experience yeah. is I'm watching a Phillies game yeah. with my dad and my grandfather. Yeah. And that's why I asked you, are there beers that you have yeah. that transport you back to an experience? Yeah. And that's what that did for me. That's awesome. And that was really, and again, that's where I think beer or any kind of adult beverage can be transforming. Yeah. But if I sit at the bar, I'm reliving that experience. Yeah, it's okay. Each time. Yeah. It's really there's there's a there's a little bit of spiciness to this. Yeah. Right now, I mean, yeah. There are IPAs on your menu. We love your stouts. I mean, we we are big fans of of, of that. Yeah. But you know, Lagers are starting to uh, lagers pilsners. I think yep, there's yep. there's more of a craft to it, right? Yeah, yeah, big time. What yeah. what is that sense for what Two SP is brewing when you say we want to make a world class lager? Yeah, no, I mean that's that's all awesome to hear, and it's it's kind of funny you saying it brings back to the seven hundred club or like the you know the the the, the bleachers at uh, the vet. But it's just when people think of, oh, I want beer tastes like beer. You know, we think of that generation of drinker and that's kind of like a representation of, you know, what that beer might taste like if it was, you know, we had some bad beer in our day. And I think that's a very good, you know, representation of what a good light beer could be. Um, but getting back to, you know, your original question, um, you know, with us, you know, when we approach beer, um, I mentioned before, we're not that clever. So I think, you know, you see other breweries that really do experiment and they do do want to add a ton of stuff to their beer. And I came from a brewery that used to do that and it was fine. And it was sometimes the end result was like, eh, it was interesting, but would I drink it again? Probably not. Um, now it's like, yeah, there's a lot of breweries who you know, putting even more crazy stuff in the beer. And for us, it's, it doesn't even occur to us to do something like that. The baseline for us is when we approach a beer, the baseline is we got to make a good beer and a representation of that style and make it good. I know that sounds like pretty basic, but if you deal with our brewer, Bob, uh, our other brewers like Jason uh, and Kevin, it's like they approach that with, uh, uh, you know, a, a, they're pretty serious about it, um, and that kind of guides them through, you know, the recipe creation to, to the execution to just thinking about, okay, shelf life, right? You know, um, they'll send me a note, hey, if it happens, you know, if beer gets long in the tooth on the shelf, you know, if it's over what they think is a good period, all right, I, I'll, we'll, we'll get it out. You know what I mean? So, um, so our approach to brewing world class beers in our mind and what we try to strive for is just making a great representation of that specific style, not really deviating from it too much, right? What the style asks for. You know, whereas other breweries kind of are like, oh, let's go outside the lines with something and then, you know, add our own unique kind of flair to it. We're not, we're not kind of, that's not our muse, I should say. 
I think as you touched on, you're the seventh largest beer producer in Pennsylvania. Tenth, I think. Tenth now? Tenth, yeah. Oh, seven, yeah. 73. Seventh, seven uh, yeah, I'm something sorry. like that. Don't worry. My, see, fuzzy math. We there talked you go. about it. There I, you go. I, this is my first 32-ounce growler, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I'll be working on the next one. Yeah. With that, I mean, I think you that philosophy as to what you talk about and what you speak to really needs to say our brand is consistency, quality, and our drinker knows whether they come in and they get a draft, they get one of our bottles, they open up one of our cans, they're going to get that quality that they expect. And they're not going to – but the craft industry is a wonderful place where if if you want to add, you know – you know, if you want to go out and buy, you know, a dozen pumpkin pies yeah. and throw it, you know, into the fermenter, you can, you can do, do that. It. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, you know, I won't drink it, but, <laughs> but, but, but somebody there are will. people yeah. that do, and yeah. there are people that yeah. are big fans. Yeah. I mean, look, 2SP partners with Wawa, yeah. who yeah. is a huge yeah. convenience store of um, gas producing. Well, they don't produce their gas, but, yeah. you know, they sell gas. Sure. I mean, Wawa has a huge footprint. And you partner up with Wawa yeah. to make uh, a stout, a yep. coffee stout. Yeah. I mean, how does that – I mean, it, it doesn't happen if you don't maintain a level of quality. But how did – sales and marketing, how did that, the, how did that relationship it, get started? You know, like uh, <laughs> I, I don't really want to make it sound like a marketing or basicness. It really – I am being sincere here. I just sent them an email. That's all. That was it. <laughs> So I sent them an email and I said, hey, listen, like, you know, we were talking here and a big struggle with us is, you know, there are personalities here, you know, and they we really will have some conflicts about, hey, what are we going to brew this, you know, the, this winter, this this fall. And sales team wants something that they can sell. Brewers want to brew something that they want to brew. Usually, sometimes those things don't, you know, they don't relate, right? So the brewers might want to do like a, a very high octane barrel aged out. And the sales team wants an IPA that they can get on tap lines that will move very quickly. I mean, how many high octane stouts can you sell on tap? Not many. So anyway, um, I just thought, you know, hey, listen, like Bob's a really great stout brewer. I was at a Wawa and I saw that they had a new coffee out and it was uh, there. Wasn't there. It was called something reserve. Uh, and I sent him a note. And I said, hey, listen, like we're right around the corner from headquarters. Headquarters is in media um, just down Baltimore Pike. And, you know, we, we'd love to talk to you. Completely understand if you don't want to, you know, meet with us, these, these little guys. And they were actually really cool. And they responded right away. And they said, yeah, we'll come by. I'm like, okay. Lava's <laughs> coming. Lava's oh, coming. <laughs> and, you know, if you come here, you can't, we really can't dress us up, you know. I mean, and I mean that literally and literally. <laughs> I mean, it's Bob wears, our head brewer wears cargo shorts every day. I've never seen him not wear pants, or excuse me, wear pants. Always wears cargo shorts, even if it's five degrees. He's walking around right now with them. Um, I can't ask him to wear pants, right? Um, so they came in and um, we took them on a tour of the brewery and they were familiar with us for their local. And I said, they said, well, do you have a, a pitch? And I'm like, listen, I, I was just at your, you know, your Westchester location. I saw that you have a reserve coffee. And I imagine you guys probably rotate that. I imagine you have one during the winter, like a winter series one. And their eyes kind of lit up and they said, yeah. You know, and they're, they're saying, well, are you thinking of using our coffee in, in like a winter beer? I'm like, yeah, sure, a big stout. 
So they were, it was perfect timing. They were looking to draw attention to this new series of coffees they were doing. Uh, I think they made the decision. There was one year when they didn't do the holiday coffee, their holiday blend. They knew that there was going to be a big stink from the public. So they thought, okay, let's, you know, do a beer and we can maybe take some of that attention away. And this was all happening in like September. They got approval from their board in October and they wanted the beer released in November. And for any of the listeners who are familiar with the brewing process, that's, that's kind of crazy, the timeline. But like we're small, we're nimble. We don't have much red tape. So we were able to do everything within a short time frame. And uh, the execution, I thought, went pretty well. There was great marketing. There was two helicopters that came to the release in Chad's Ford. The CBS News and NBC had a helicopter circling around and some of our guys here when they see that they get nervous with the helicopters but that's another that's another uh, day but excuse me uh, another story but uh but yeah since then we you know we took a break from it this year um they want to you know hey let's let's air it out let's work with some other people which was great you know we got to work with uh uh we had done it for four years and we got to work with my friends who own a coffee shop in south philly called herman's and uh we worked with um Little Goat Coffee out of Newark, Delaware, who makes fantastic coffee. And we brewed the same base recipe, used their coffees, different blends, and released them in the two different markets. And it was great because, you know, people knew our brand. We, they knew the Wawa coffee sounds. So they were looking for this new thing. And it went over great. But the people at Wawa are awesome. Um, I know they just work with K-May. I saw there was a lot of fanfare over that. So, you know, good on them. And hopefully it's just bringing more attention to local breweries. Yeah, and I think what it does is for beer fans, beer drinkers, it gives <laughs> us more to look forward to, yeah. but you've established something with that. You've established this community relationship, this identification with community businesses, community mainstays, yeah. and I think what it does is it lifts everybody up, yeah. and it gives a wonderful product for all of us to look forward to. So it's like, you know, I love that also now you're doing some different things with some different opportunities, different coffee companies. Yeah. It really gives you a chance to say, hey, we're going to like branch out, spread our legs a little bit, spread our wings, yeah. and see what other you know, flavor profiles we can create as some of this stuff too. Yeah. And as a sales guy, I thought, ah, what, what could be really, really the difference between using two different blends of coffee and the same base recipe? Because, you know, it's the beer will really shine through the coffee will just provide like that basic coffee flavor. But, you know, I, I think I, I poured the little goat and we can try the uh, spot saver. They're, they're completely different. And it really is because of the roast that they use. But I don't recommend doing one of those, though, before trying the Delco and the Up and All right. So which one are so, we doing next? You're, uh, you're our beer tour guide today. I recommend doing the Delco. Okay. Um, that is our number two brand. So Pony Brewers are number three. Delco's are number two. It's our oldest beer. Um, it was the beer that we started with. So, Bob, uh, you know, when we first got together – Bob said, uh, we're, we're all talking about what we want to brew. What would be our, our, you know, how do we enter the market? What beers are we going to use? And, you know, me, the assistant brewer, Ruby at the time, uh, Stiggs, we're all talking and talking and talking, throwing out all these styles. And Bob, who's very quiet, big, intimidating guy, too. And we're like, Bob, like, you haven't, you haven't even said what you want to brew. He's like, I don't care what we brew. As long as we brew Delco 
lager, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? what? And he's like, I'm so sick of my friends because he's from Glen Olden. Right. Um, so that Interboro, um, Ridley, Tinicum, you know it well. Uh, great people, salt of the earth. But it's funny. It's Delaware County. When you talk to wholesalers who, who you know, sell beer to, to the mar- to Philly Five County market, Delaware County is always dead last in craft beer sales. And a lot of that's just like some hangups on like, hey, I have my beer. I don't want to try anything new. Why would I deviate from that? There's not there's not like a much tolerance for change, which, you know, can work in some cases. And also like be like, hey, there's some cool stuff out there. Also, Delco is so silver linings playbook. You know, this is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. And this is the way it shall be. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and the other thing is like, sometimes they think we can't have nice things, but you know, maybe we can, maybe we can provide that for you. So it's, and that was a big thing about, you know, you had mentioned earlier, the consistency is really important, getting a good product in there. Um, and you do that enough and you, you're consistent, eventually you're going to break somebody down because their buddy had tried it or you're just a nice guy and they're like, all right, we'll give you a chance, that sort of thing. Um, and this was the beer that we thought would be the gateway beer for Delaware County. Um, ironically, we sell more beer in Philadelphia <laughs> with Delco, so than Delco. Well, is that but, based on – is that distributed at Citizens Bank Park? Uh, no, we don't we – don't, they might have it at uh, Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, okay. They used to. We used to do 16-ounce cans there. Um, I think they do up and out now. Okay. So we haven't done this in Bank Park yet. So it's usually uh, you know some negotiations that have See, to occur. See, I don't even have to help you send an email. You got a guy? The podcast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I love it. Why don't they have that at the They're park? They're good people, The too. Phillies would have won the World Series if they would have had you know, that. That's what I say. Get Schwarber at Delco. He would have, you know, he would have uh, hammered some of those other balls. But <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's Philadelphia. Like, I think uh, Delco, the, the name does travel well uh, in, in this region, even though people might talk a little smack on it. Um, but... Yeah, that beer for some reason moves extremely well in Philadelphia. So, I I get the philosophy, <laughs> and I'm really glad that you talked about that. That you know this is the this is the path we're going to set out on. Mm-hmm. We want to establish a fan base, yeah, and we recognize who our drinkers are uh-huh. in the community, and this is what they're asking for. Yeah, you establish the name Two SP. Oh yeah, I I had one of those, and then you start to get people to say, well, what else? Do you have what else might I like that you make? Mm-hmm. I mean, this there's so much nuttiness, there's so much roastiness yeah. to this. Yeah, it's again, these are easy to drink, but lots of flavor. Yeah, there's a I actually enjoy the dryness that comes out at the yep. end. Yeah, and I know, love that too. Yeah, I like that you pointed that out. This yeah. is really and, and people are like, well, I don't want to dryness of a beer, or maybe that's not the experience they're looking for. I think for me, this makes me just want more exactly I, want it, I just want to continue to drink this yeah no that's exactly it and that's what you kind of strive for with the, our lager and then we have another pilsner which i didn't pour called karuna and that dryness is just what makes it so refreshing and that's what a lot of beers macro beers craft beers when they brew lagers might miss and i love that and you know the one thing i really like about it, it's like you know I've, i have friends who leave the beer industry and saw wine and spirits like yeah, there's a little bit more money in there. I get it. I get it. But I always like staying in beer because uh, there's a little romanticism there. Like 
when I first got in, what attracted me to beer was you can have a world-class product for a dollar or two more than your mass domestic, right? You can go into your local store. You can pick up what's considered bottom of the barrel, right, for five, six, seven bucks a six-pack. Then you can pick up something that's the best in the world for eight, nine, ten, eleven dollars a six-pack. You do that with wine. You do that with liquor. You do that with whiskey. Whatever it is, you're paying not yeah, $20 a bottle. You're paying $80, $100, $200, dollars $500,000 a barrel. So the access, the accessibility, accessibility to this. Um, and that's why, you know, with Delco Lager, it's like, yeah, it's a simple lager, but it's definitely different. It definitely has a flavor profile that stands out compared to, you know, I, I won't name names, like I said, but some other beers, some domestics that are, are, are that, Barry, or excuse me, that uh, do that style. They focus solely on that style. I think, you know, again, I mean, for me, if I'm going to sit down and I want some lager, this is a nice variety for me. Yeah. And a lot of craft breweries, they may shy away or the lager or even a pilsner, maybe like, right, we, we've got to satisfy somebody here. Yeah. Let's just brew, brew this. Let's just get it on the, the tap and yeah. maybe we'll sell some cans. But I think... From the standpoint, you've already started out with the philosophy, this is going to be quality. Yeah. And you taste it. There's there's more of an experience here than just thinking, all right, my buddies, they're having IPAs and or they're having some other things that I just don't like. Yep. I feel like, ah, I'm, I'm kind of sad. I, I don't want those beers, but all right, I'll have one. But now I get to enjoy something too. Yeah. No, it's awesome. And we're, we're always looking to improve it too. I mean, it's not just we came up with the recipe and that's what we've been brewing, the same beer for eight years. We, we've, we've made adjustments to it. We were like, okay, that dryness, we really – you know, we, we experimented a little bit. We're like, we really want to lean into that a little bit more. So let's extend fermentation time a little bit, right? Let's let it settle for a moment. Let's let's let the yeast do its thing. So it, it's not just this, you know, um, oh, we found a good recipe. Let's just continue to execute that day in, day out. It's like, okay, how do we improve upon that, right? Without like, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater with like hopping it up or like just doing something crazy to it. So, but yeah, no, I'm glad you recognize that though with that beer. Where to next? Up and out. So Up and this, out. This is our number one seller. Um, it was a beer that wasn't going to happen. Um, it's a hazy IPA, six uh, percent. Um, so when we started this brewery, uh, the IPA craze was IPAs were always a thing. Two thousand six, two thousand seven. When I was with Rogue, West Coast IPAs, right? That's all it was. How hoppy can you make a beer? How many IBUs, right? Um, for your listeners, it was IBUs, International Bittering Units. So it's just like if it was like you know no, most normal beers are 40, 50 with the IPAs. And that's pretty strong. The guys will be coming out with 90, 100 IBUs. And it was just like not astringent, but it was borderline undrinkable. Then you had this whole this complete change to the, the hazy IPAs where it's like, I don't want bitter at all. I want this to taste like a, a fruit juice almost. Um and when you make that kind of a, a a turnaround, it's a little polarizing. And our brewers are like, wait, wait a second. I, IPAs, that's not what we know. And um, I was like, we should try this. We should get into it. And we were a little reluctant. And uh, Bob really likes brewing lagers, light lagers. He knows that's on his mind coming from Iron Hill, light lagers are really sold. I said, this IPA, that we got to give it a shot. And they brewed it, and it was fantastic. And 
like I said, Bob's a big guy. I'm a big guy. And, you know, we had a few meetings in the back where I know who was going to come out alive. It probably wasn't going to be me. But I was like, we got to do this. And I get to rub it in his face now because it's like over 40% of our business. And uh, it's a really good, easy to drink, fresh IPA local um, that we make with, you know, uh, there's a little Cascade and Columbus in there. So when you have hazy IPAs, I had mentioned before, it's you're really juicy, right? Um, we kind of like to have our beers with a refreshing finish, like you mentioned with the Delco. Um, so when you have hazy IPAs, that juicy flavor that you get, it means there is no hops during the bittering part, right? So essentially when you brew a beer, you have to bring the beer to a boil and it's like over 220 degrees. When you throw the hops in in the beginning of the boil, you extract the acids from the hops. And hops are like, uh, they're from the weed family and they look like guinea, guinea pig food, all right? And they have all these acids in them. So when you, when you put them in the boil early on, it gives it some time to get those acids out, which gives the beer that bitterness. Brewers are like, you know what? Screw it. We're not going to throw any any hopster in the boil. Uh, we're just going to throw it in during the whirlpool when it's cooling down so we can just get the flavors and aromas. We wanted to throw some hops in in the beginning of that boil to give it that little bit, not necessarily bitterness, but that re- f- refreshing crispness. Um, so that's what really differentiates this versus others. And also the price point is pretty good at the shelf. So <laughs> you're not paying 20 bucks, 25 bucks for a four pack. This is day in, day out, you know, between 12 and 14 bucks. That hoppiness lingers. That's there. Yeah. The juiciness is there, but there's, I believe there's a nice flavor balance that you go back to. Yeah. On the initial, you know, on the initial sip, the mouthfeel, it's very clean. There's not a lot of viscosity, which allows for those oils, those flavors just to kind of dance around the tongue. But it's, it's when you, it's when you swallow. Yeah. That, that I think it's, it's almost like that, that hoppy, that bitterness, that's where it explodes. Yeah. And it just kind of just remains there. I mean, I, I think it's been a couple of minutes since I had a sip and it's still there, there you go. for me. That's awesome. And, and you know, for like, you know, if you listen to the podcast enough, Dawn and I were not huge IPA people. Yeah. You know, it's one of the things because we have a difficulty gravitating towards that bitterness. Yeah. Like you said, you know, we've had things that. I guess a lot of IPA drinkers would say, oh, we love this. Yeah. And that would be, as you pointed out, that could be 60 to 80 IBUs. But to us, it's 1,000 IBUs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does this come in on the IBU scale? It's low. It's I would say it's about 30 to 40. So it's low-ish, I should say. If you have our up, up, and away, that's our, our double version of that, it's actually less, um, which is pretty crazy. But we want to give that... You know, a little bit of bitterness, though. Just like you're saying, it lingers. It's that refreshing kind of – It's it still hangs around. Where you drink other, like, hazy or New England-style IPAs, it's very – you know, it tastes like juice. And when you have an orange juice or whatever it is, if, if it's more sweet and there's not as much citrus, the flavor just kind of goes down, right? It's it's not doesn't hang around too much, um, but yeah, with that, it's 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 interesting. It's it's it does hang around. That bitterness is there, and that bitterness lingers. So. To your point, I mean, you it, it was something as I was thinking that it's almost it's got very very uh, orange characteristics yeah. to it, but it's almost what's that? Yeah, grapefruit. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's also as if you peeled the rind and just put rind into that too, 
it really brings out more of that the bitterness is there and you talk about the hops mm-hmm. but I get the bitterness as more of a citrus bitterness sure and that's what comes across yeah and the oiliness the oiliness yeah. the oiliness of that yeah really comes across that's awesome that's good yeah there's different types of bitterness that you can get from all different types of beer you can get espresso like bitterness from from stouts you can get you know as you said, you know grapefruit citrus you can also get like piney or resin from those west coast style IPAs yeah for sure and then you can get no bitterness from some of these beers. Like if you have like a, a smoked beer or what have you. If you have like a – just like I mentioned before, the juicy IPAs. But it's, it's funny. You know, listening to you, you, you really do have a, a palate for this stuff. And there's only one other person who I can like tolerate listening, like explain their beer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, and, uh, thanks, Mike. You're yeah. tolerating me. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> no, you have other people and you're like, oh, you just roll your eyes. You're like, oh, please stop. The other person would be – her name's Rebecca Newman. I work with her at Dogfish. She was the head of quality control. But she was the one who came up with uh, – she worked at Sam Adams before, Boston Beer. And you remember the perfect pint glass, the perfect pour? She developed that. And I could just sit here and like sit and just listen to her talk about, oh, you know, approachable though. And, and you know, it's not too highfalutin. And it's like, oh, this is why I'm enjoying it, right? Most people are just kind of passive. Oh, yeah, it tastes good. But it's nice to hear, you know, the reasons as to why without being like off put by like some pompous, you know, like, oh, yeah. So. I don't know if that's Delco or uh, not. Let's give, I don't it, know. let's give that one to Delco. Let's give that one to Delco. All right. One more thing about this. You know, you mentioned uh, just that citrusy, you know, that, that flavor profile. I'm thinking, Wow, what happens if you add gin to this? Because you mentioned the West Coast with the piney. Yeah. What happens if you make a cocktail with gin or even like a, a, a screwball? Yeah, get some of that juniper berry flavor going or something, sprucey. Yeah, I, I would. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't imagine you're making some beer cocktails back there. Yeah, no, we're we're taking shots. Okay. But <laughs> it's tequila and, and whiskey. I'm not a tequila guy. They are. But yeah, we just take shots. We don't get that clever. Yeah. Right, for, for, for somebody, we'll, we'll send this but, out to the main line yeah. where they're fancy and highfalutin. Yeah, yeah. And they'll make a mimosa out of it or something. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Where are we going next, Mike? All right. Next one, I, I would recommend the Baby Bob Stout. So that's the middle one there. So, um, you know, what Bob becomes... Bob is, uh, you know, like I mentioned, our head brewer, Delco native. What he is most well known for his Russian imperial stout. So I have that as well. Um, you but, do a big Russian release yeah. too, which I love. You have spite pizza pastry here. Yeah, you have yeah. Munchie Machine was here the day we were here. But yeah, I already see you uh, hoarding that, Dawn, so uh, it's okay. I mean, but one of the things is, is you know, Bob said – you told the listener that about you know the loggers and the you know the focus on that. Yeah. But I get a sense, Bob's a Bob's a stout guy. He's he he. Bob's a he drink. It's funny. It's a, I, I will say he will drink everything. And meaning that, like it's if we have an English IPA on, it's new. He's like, oh, this is really good, or a Dunkel, or. You know, anything, right? And then he'll have a style too. He doesn't like kind of stick to his style where if you, if you see me here, I'm most likely drinking the Pony Boy or a Karuna Pills, right? Uh, you see Joe, he's probably drinking a Delco or, you know, an Up and Out. Bob really drinks the gamut. Um, and it's interesting watching him drink because he's a man of few words, but when he's excited about something, he doesn't necessarily have to tell you. You just can kind of see it. But, 
I think we all get the sense he's a stout guy, though, because just of his physical presence, right? Just kind of big and then, you know, big beard and kind of medieval looking, right? Or, you know, just looks like he can put a hurting on you like a stout would, right? So, but our stouts are very approachable. Um, the Baby Bob is is a petite version, if you want to call it that, a small version of the Russian. Um, it's an American stout, though, more than anything. So American stout does have that hoppiness um, versus, like, say, an Irish dry stout. An Irish dry stout doesn't really have any bitterness whatsoever. It's more about the texture. It's more about the mouthfeel. With this one, the, the flavors really come out with coffee. Uh, I think coffee is a big one, espresso, but it also has that hoppiness and yeah, and that roasty flavor, that roasty character. And he likes to use chocolate malt a lot, so there's that sweetness. That's his favorite malt, is chocolate malt. Um, it's not a secret necessarily, but uh, it's definitely something that you know other brewers recognize. Like this guy knows what he's doing, and it's his love for specific malts that really kind of amplify that. What's the secret that seems to be in all of them? There, they all seem to have this creamy consistency and it's like you, you want to salivate <laughs> like, yeah. them, like I just want to keep drinking after having every single one of them I love it so I love it I, I don't know I don't know it might be what they sprinkle in uh, you know to each keg but I'm not sure but no I, I have no idea but could be like the yeast strain could be um, just the processes that we 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 employ Pardon the interruption. If you like what you hear, if you love what you're hearing, please share the podcast. Please take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on your social media, tag us just to let everybody else know about Fermented Adventure, the podcast. We'd be grateful for your help to grow our podcast. There you go. No, I'm loving this. And I was sipping it and trying to get Really, you know when you try to nose and drink a beer at the same time? Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> this is a public service announcement. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Dawn. There is a there's a creamy consistency over everything in all the beers. Yeah. So if it's a proprietary secret, that's okay, too. There, there's no – trust me. There's nothing really secret other than uh, – there's nothing really secret about it. It's like I said, it's – Bob, uh, he worked – I mentioned he worked at Iron Hill and he's – he, he, it's. Let me say this. Um, I, I worked at when I worked at Rogue. Our brewer was John Meyer, and I remember running into Al the Alaskan Brewing. Some of their guys, their, their uh, CEO, and he says, "Oh, you guys. I don't know if you're familiar with Alaskan, but they have a very, very famous beer called Smoke Porter." And they say, "Oh, how do you like how do you like your beer?" I mean. Uh, he says, how do you like your beer? And I said, what do you mean? It's your beer. He's like, no, that's your beer. That's John Meyer's recipe. And they, John Meyer used to work at, from uh, Alaskan before he worked at Rogue. And he left the recipe there. So, and that's, you know, part of the business, right? You kind of, you don't take your recipes with you when you leave. It's the companies. So, Bob has brewed the Russian. He's brewed all these other stouts, and they're they're great beers. They're nationally recognized, and he'll leave them at other places. And guys will take that recipe to other breweries because you know brewers they tend to move around a lot. But just because you have the recipe, it's just it's not about that. It's much more. It's about you know it's the really the cleanliness. If you walk through to our brewery, the process, the the care. The, it's not just throwing a bunch of ingredients in a soup pot and it's going to come out the same time. Excuse me, the flavor is going to come out the same each time. It's much different. So I don't know what the the thing is, but I think it's like a combination of many different things that come from you know having a really experienced brewer. I'm going to say it's the water. 
There you go. Save some water. Keep it simple. And it's, everything's light, too, because I know after having even a couple beers, even if we're sharing, yeah. I'm, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to drink any more beer, and I'm still fine. Like, you know, I still feel like, I think either everything's just light enough or that creaminess just wants huh? me to keep drinking. I love Which is it. nice for beer, because I usually am not like that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Keep drinking. <laughs> we will. We got yeah. two more to at least sure. enjoy right now. So the the one I recommend next is the goat. Um, so that is uh, the coffee stout we did with um, Little Goat Coffee out of Newark, Delaware. So, yeah, we were really happy with that. Uh, it was a combination of different roasts. I want to say it was Ethiopian. <sighs> Ethiopian and Guatemalan um, and it was a combination of light and medium roasts um, and they threw some Sumatra I believe in there too which is a darker roast that they used so I mean it's yeah it's big coffee flavors but delicate enough and I think what we really strive for is finding finding the balance. So yes, we want big coffee flavors, but we also want the base of the beer to really come through. Um, and hopefully one amplifies the other and vice versa. So like, you know, we really want to get like the sweet berry flavors that come out from the coffee. Right. And sometimes that will take, you know, the, the chocolate part of the beer to really kind of the sweetness of it. Right. To really showcase that. Um, yeah. I want to invite the listener out to 2SP here. Yeah. And when you do, put your headphones on and listen, re-listen to this part of the podcast as you take us through this flight and really get the description and how you put together this flight and what people are going to take the characteristics of the beer. That's a great experience. Yeah. And they're all different, but they're all just, they're all delicious. But as you were talking about this beer, I was just living through that experience. <laughs> and I want other people to live through that experience. Definitely. Awesome. That's awesome. Also, all right. So I'm one of those guys. I love, you know, the coffee. Uh-huh. And I've really gotten in tune to drinking with oat milk. Okay. And I want to do, again, uh, I'm going to make a cocktail or we're going to do something fun sure, with this. Sure. But I'm going to do the oat goat. There you and, go. <laughs> and you just put a little splash of oat milk in here just to take out you know yeah. what what that creaminess is going to be sure. cuz there's tons of creaminess in here you mentioned hey that chocolatey note yeah and then you go into what i really resonated with mike that you said was you still want to be reminded this isn't just a coffee it's not like a nitro you know something you buy in yeah. a little can you still get the bitterness of the beer. Yeah. You still yeah. know you're drinking a beer with this, and that's delightful. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, sometimes coffee styles, they'll put a lot of lactose in them, and it's kind of like, oh, that gives it much more creaminess. But I just want to Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah, it's great. The, the aroma is fantastic. And especially when you pop open a can of it, um, I think it's still out in the market. You might be able to find it. But when you crack open a can, that there's aromas just get pushed down into your face. And it's just, it's awesome. Fresh milk coffee. It's just, it's freshly roasted. We get it. They roast it for us. And uh, it's, you know, generally like two days, three days after the roast, we, we blend it with uh, the finished beer. So it doesn't go during, um, in the beginning of the brew process. It's already fermented out. Um, and then we we circle we cycle it through this kind of like R two D two looking container that has holds the coffee and we cycle it in between the tanks. It goes into you know 
picks up all the coffee in the, the one tank and we push it back through the other until we find that balance where it's like, all right, we got enough coffee extraction from it. Let's um, let's get this in the canner, in the keg. I want to be here on brewing day when you do this because I can't imagine what the smell must be like back there. Uh, it's crazy. It it's, really is. You, it really does fill up the brewery. I will say that, yeah. It's not like other brew days where you kind of just get a rich oatmeal. It's definitely big coffee aromas. You can't miss it. We were brewing the Wawa beer. We brewed a small amount of that. Um, we brewed about, I want to say about 60 barrels between the two brands, um, which is an, it's, it's a nice size batch. The Wawa was like 300, 350. So we had a ton of coffee in here and it, it was awesome. I loved it. But, um, but yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun day to be here. So I see a Russian sitting there. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the beer that really put Bob on the map, um, you know, it's it's easily – it's what I knew, knew him for before starting up the company. It's what every, everybody who's, um, you know, in the industry who's familiar with Bob, they know about this stout. Um, it's funny. So I went out to – our first year, we went out to Great American Beer Fest, which is, you know, a huge festival in Denver. Uh, I want to say it's like 1,500 breweries actually show up. But there's tons of breweries that enter. You don't have to show up to – the Great American Beer Fest includes a um, uh, a contest where you know, they judge the top beers in each category. So breweries from all over submit and a lot of them show up to the to the, uh, the event as well. So I thought, you know, me having worked for Rogue and working for Dogfish, big national breweries, Bob working at Iron Hill, which he was only brewing there. I thought, oh, I'm going to see a lot of my friends in the industry. I'm going to introduce them to everybody. Bob was there and he was sitting at Falling Rock and I'm not kidding. It was like people were coming up and kissing the ring and he's not, he's a humble guy. It didn't look like that, but I saw it. I'm like, I thought I was going to be the guy, but, and I couldn't believe it. The first night we're, we're packing in at the festival. So the festival's three days. And after the first night, Garrett Oliver, who is like the who's who of brewers in, in our world. So there's, there's not many. There's Ken Grossman. There's Sam Calgioni. Garrett Oliver's in that class. He's the head brewer at Brooklyn. And he came up and he says, oh, my last beer of the night has to be Bob's Russian. I'm like, who, what, who the hell is this guy? You know, I just know him as Bob Verar, you know, some, some, some guy like <laughs> cargo short wearing, you know, guy from Glen Olden, some Interboro buck. And here's Garrett Oliver, the guy who wrote the Oxford Companion to beer. And he's saying, I want his beer to be my last one. So it's, it's a 9% Imperial stout. I mean, it's everything. He's the only one who's allowed to brew it, really. It's, we only brew it once a year. We brew it twice. Uh, we do some in bourbon barrels. You're going to release this tomorrow, you said? The podcast the will podcast? release tomorrow. So at the end of this week, we're going to release uh, the Bourbon Russian. So, oh. yeah. So we got some excited. That beer is just, it's it's rich, but it's very approachable. It's 9%. Uh, my mom, who doesn't really drink beer, she even enjoys this one. Espresso-like finish, right? Maybe there's a little bit of slight licorice flavor to it. Plum. I'm trying to figure out. There's something that's, I, I'm trying to get my... Well, we've had this before, yeah. And I don't know if it's just going through the succession of what we just had. It's the first time I've had this where I get like this minty note to this, yeah. Yeah. and it's almost like where it comes to being like a, a little bit of like a chocolate mint, okay, like a chocolate chip mint. Yeah, and I've never had that experience with this yeah. before. 
So I don't know. Not if, too minty. Though. No, no, no. Okay. I'm picking up mint. It's, I'm, yeah. up, I'm trying to figure out what I'm picking It's like up. a really cool mint. Yeah. For me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't gotten mint from the beer, but it might be that progression with the, the goat or something, having the coffee beer. Um because that is a bold And I'm beer. enjoying that, by the way. Oh, Don't, yeah, yeah. It's not off-putting at all. No, it's really I, delightful. I was part of a – I won't name the company who I was with, but we had a messed up batch of beer. And they thought, oh, we can – we can, uh, uh, you know, uh, we can play around with it and make it sellable. Just send it to a distillery and let them make whiskey well, out of it. Well, they decide. Barrel aged this one? No, no, that's okay. not. That's, no, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But the, you think it's the oakiness of it? Like you're thinking I that's think what so. your mind yeah. is saying? Yeah. 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 So they, I mean, they, they they put a lot of mint into this beer, and it was awful. We had one of those too. Remember down in Maryland? I won't mention the name of that uh, brewery either. That uh, was. I can say overall, I think 95% of the beer we order, we drink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was horrid. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. usually, like, the bartender will give you a fair warning. And in fairness, this one did. And I'm like, yeah, I'll still try it. <laughs> like, oh, I, 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 I suffered through it. Uh, yeah. What's the worst that can happen? I get a, get a little drunk, you know? That's it. So, yeah. But no, with that beer, um, I would say the dominant flavor is chocolate espresso, a little bit of coffee flavor, licorice, black licorice, but very subtle on the black licorice because I don't like black licorice. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. The barrel bourbon barrel age has got this nice vanilla. Plum? Yeah. Yeah. What I enjoy about the beers and all of your beers is, you know, sometimes we talk about session, right? Yeah. And the idea is that even with when I started with the Pony Boy and I came back to it, there was a little bit left in my glass. It still had some different flavor profile than when I started. Yeah. As things were, as the glass or what's in it, the beer warms up, it brings about some different character. Yeah. And I really enjoy that about the beer, even with this Russian. I could just sip this. I'm, I'm, you know, for me, this is one of the go-tos when we come here. Although I've never smoked a cigar. Oh, yeah. I could just see this uh, is like a cigar companion we beer. We got, you know, we got a couple guys from Chester that come in. Ah, uh, from Chester. And, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's great. They're, you know, we get, so we're in Aston, but it's weird. Our, our mailing address is Aston, but technically we're in Chester's municipality. So um, we get a couple guys in from Chester who, it's funny, it's great. They, they come in and. For that community, the black community, they don't, especially in Chester, they're not exposed to craft beer. And you got to think, like I mentioned before, Delaware County was one of the few last, the few places that hasn't had much craft, or excuse me, doesn't drink much craft beer. Chester is like zero. And a couple of the guys come in, they say, oh, you should come to the bar with us and like maybe sample us on some product, sample some of the guys who we know who own bars. Like, I'll go in. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, no, it's not your typical craft beer bar for sure. But I'm like, I'm looking at what they're drinking. And they're drinking, like, Corona. They're drinking Heineken. My beer is not as expensive. Our beer is the same price, maybe a little bit more expensive. And we're made down the street. Like, so I gave the – I would pour samples out, and everybody it – it's, it's, it's been fun for me because, you know, I gave a presentation at Wawa, I want to say about two years ago. And I'm looking at the room. It's about 100 people. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, when I first started in this industry in 2006, 2007, if I was in the same room and I asked how many of you had had craft beer before, maybe 5%, 7% of the room would raise their hand. 
you know, five years, eight years later when I started working for Dogfish, maybe half the room. Today, it's like everybody raised Everybody, there. yeah. Yep. If I go into Chester, how many of you have tried craft beer? Nobody raises their hand. And it's fun because it's the same thing I experienced, you know, eight years ago. What the hell is this? Oh, what is that? But they all hang out and they want to try more and they want to drink it. And they were like, oh, this is actually good. This is unique. This is different. So... You know, it's, we're not making moving any mountains over there, but it, it's fun. And a lot of those, so a lot of guys come through. They love the Russian and they love smoking cigars with it. I'm not a cigar smoker myself, but these guys are serious cigar smokers, and they advocate like this is the best beer to have with a cigar. So you know, you touch on something really important <clears throat> because you think in the craft brewing industry that everybody's a craft beer drinker. And everybody's had it. But there's still burgeoning opportunities and markets to bring in that new craft beer experience, that new drinker. Um, You know, it's nice to see there's more uh, African-American black-owned breweries opening up. One just opened up in the city. I think we've talked to them about maybe visiting with them. Yeah. But but that's that like, oh, my God, who is going to drink this? I mean, this isn't our community. This isn't what our demographic drinks. But if you start exposing them – and giving them opportunities. If you love beer, yeah. you want to try something. And I can understand why for that Russian, there's so much depth and complexity to it. But all the beers. Yeah. Not just that one. Yeah. Now, and that's the one thing that, you know, if I were, were to pride ourselves on one thing is the variety of beers that we put out. So you'll, you'll often see, you know, Belgians on tap. Stouts, IPAs, lagers, pilsners. We'll do a smoke tell us. We'll do, um, uh, I don't know. We'll do a nice triple. We don't do these things ironically. We do these things because you we give enjoy thought to it, right? Yeah. It's not like, oh, we should do And that pollination? Pollination and a beer to meal, right? That's like one of my favorite styles that not many breweries do, and it's expensive to make, but an imperial honey saison. I Especially mean, as honey keeps going up and up and up in cost. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's one of our most expensive beers, and it's, you know, imagine trying, we have a 20 barrel system here. So every batch of beer we brew will either yield, you know, 40 half kegs, right? Or 120 sixths or like 200 or 300 cases. I mean, to some brewery selling that much, you know, 66 thols of, or, you know, 126 thols of, uh, uh, Imperial Honey Saison is no tall order. Like they can distribute all over the country. When you're folk, when you're brewery based in Delco, Imperial Honey Saison is not exactly the easiest sell, but we'll do it and we want to do it. And we approach it the same way we do all of our beers. Um, not just, you know, hey, let's come up with a cute name and put a cool sticker on it. It's let's develop something fun here that we, we can, we can all get behind, but the one last thing I'll say about it is it's when we go out, our salespeople go out in the market, they can go pitch a new beer and a beer buyer at the most respected beer bar, beer bars, like let's say Monks or Jose Pistolas or something, they won't need samples of our beer. They've had it. They know Bob. If we come out with something new, yeah, it's we'll on. Order. Yeah, yep. it's on. It's no problem. And that's been like it for day one since for us, which is you know rare, but that speaks to you know Bob's pedigree. So you talk about all that. What's the future of 2SP look like? Oh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, Have you had the year-end beginning, a year-end plan? We, <laughs> you know? we, we play with crayons a lot here. We're always kind of like, yeah, this is what we'll do. I, you know, it's it's you know, we mentioned it earlier. The when we started this business, we thought 
the beer industry would look one way. Then, you know, two years in, it was like, wow, look at all these breweries and look at what they're doing in 16 ounce cans. The marketplace completely changed. And then as we're just getting our, you know, footing to this change, you know, COVID occurs, the pandemic. And the pandemic was just like, our whole business model needed to change because most of our business was done in bars. It wasn't done through, you know, grocery stores or, or uh, beer distributors, beer stores. So it's like, crap, we just lost 70% of our business. We have to rethink it. And then, you know, we had some things go happen this year, which were kind of crazy. And, you know, the economy's doing what it's doing. People are just adjusting. So now it's like, all right, this is going to be the first full year. We're looking ahead. Let's just evaluate, you know, and, and keep doing what we're doing, but also like, Let's expand on what we do well. So I mentioned we're building a new pizza spot in Newark, Delaware. We do food really well. So if you haven't been to a Two Stones pub or a Two SP Tap House, the food's excellent. So same kind of – Stiggs has the same approach. It's kind of – he says preserving the craft. But it's a nice saying, but in practice, he hires executive chefs at each of the restaurants that have good background. So each restaurant has its own unique menu. They all use great ingredients and it's all approachable. It's the same kind of – you go into one of two stones, a 2SP tap house, a 2S pizza, you're going to have the same kind of feeling as walking into the brewery. It's just fun, it's easy, it's it's no frills, but really good. Um, so yeah, I think it's just kind of expanding on that. I think there's plenty of room to grow on Delcal, Try, trying to convert as many drinks as possible, tell them to drink the 2SP Kool-Aid. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the future, I, I maybe we'll go into Taiwan, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. But if you're going into Taiwan, yeah. then next thing is China. China. So. <laughs> I do have a connection. It's funny. I have a guy who goes, uh, uh, Felix. He exports to Shanghai and uh, Beijing. And, uh, you know, he's like, he, he, he deals with more of the flashy breweries. But he loves us. And he's like, he wants to bring us on because it's more of a market now. I think the flash of the pan kind of breweries are, and I won't name names. I, like I said, they, people want quality now. They just don't want to spend their dollars on the new cool thing with a nice little sticker on it. They want to get something that they're confident in, especially in tougher times, right? It's just like, you know, gas prices might go up, right? Uh, maybe I won't buy that $25 bottle of bourbon Russian. You know, please do, but they'll buy a Delco Lager now instead or a Karuna, something that's easy, something that they can get behind. Mike, this has been awesome. Good. This has exceeded my expectations. What really stood out for me is, you know, just the way you took us through all your beers. And whether you're going to a Two Stones or you're going to be going to that pizza place, yeah, huh? I'm looking forward to that in Newark, yeah. Delaware. They have no idea what's about to hit them. <laughs> but uh, 2SP, and you can see why the billboards on 95, yeah. you know, why you really are that brewery. Hey, it says over here, you're yeah. made in Delco. Right. But if you're made in Delco, you're really putting out this personality that says welcome. Yeah. Because we want everybody to say, hey, this is awesome. This is great. This is great beer. I can drink this every day and enjoy it. Yep. So thank you so much for your time today. Yeah. Thanks for having thanks for having me and thanks for coming through the brewery. And you know, look forward to having you guys here again. And please, you know, to all the listeners, come come through to our brewery. It's a fun time. And uh if you see us on the shelf, yeah, give us a shot if you haven't before. Uh you won't be disappointed. And if you are, I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> they won't so. be disappointed at all. <laughs> thanks, Mike. All right. <laughs>